Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, and welcome back to the pod for 2023. We are a music podcast that chats to artists, musicians, and creatives on their songwriting process and upcoming releases. Uh, We very much appreciate you returning to listen to us once more on what is episode 224 and our first back for this new year. Um, The first thing you're probably noticing is that we've changed the intro. We used to kind of follow a similar template with each episode, um, but it was difficult to get all the relevant information into a 90-second window for you. Um, The feedback that we got from our year-end episode, our best of 2022 episode, was that you seem to enjoy this more relaxed approach. So it's something that we're going to implement moving forward. The other change is that we'll be bringing all the info to the front of the pod. And what I mean by that is that we used to kind of include all the band's info, where you can find them and all all their kind of gig and release info, uh, the podcast information as well. We used to put it at the end of the episode uh, and we realized that sometimes it was getting lost. We had a few friends reach out at the end of the year who were kind of like, oh, we didn't realize you had a Patreon or a TikTok. We didn't ever kind of really realize that info was was after the interview. Um, and so that's on me. I will put my hand up and say that that is my fault. So what you'll find now moving forward is um, all the info we'll put right at the start of the episode with the guest info. And from there, you'll be able to listen to the episode. And afterwards, you don't have to hang around for anything. All the info will be at the start. So just to get it out of the way, you can find all of our social media in the pod show notes, which include our Facebook, our Instagram, our TikTok. And yes, we do have a Patreon. Um, you'll also find the links for today's guests, which includes their socials, a gig guide, um, and links to be able to purchase uh, their their releases, which for today it is a beautiful vinyl box set. So speaking of our guest, um, our guest today is Wayne Coyne, who is the brilliant frontman for beloved Oklahoma City band, The Flaming Lips, one of my favourite bands. Um, they are known for their unique sound of like psychedelic rock and pop. Um, and over the last... 30-something years I think they've been operating as a band. They've collaborated with so many artists like um, Miley Cyrus, Nick Cave. Uh, They've played with Tame Impala. They've uh, collaborated with Kesha. The list uh, of their collaborators is kind of incredible. So if you have time, please go and have a look online and see who else they've played with. Um, Late last year it was their – it was, sorry, it was the 20th anniversary of their breakthrough 10th record, Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots, which is – um, an incredible record. If you've never listened to it, again, we'll have uh, links to their Spotify in the show notes so you can listen to it. But it does include one of their most well-known tracks, Do You Realise? Do you realize that you have 
we had the pleasure of speaking with Wayne just before Christmas. So there is some discussion around the holidays in this chat, um, but we had such a lovely conversation with this man around the magic of that record and why it resonates with people um, the magic of Do You Realise? Uh, and then we also spoke about why the Flaming Lips are such a phenomenal band to experience live. If you've ever seen them live, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, please do yourself a favour because it is a, it's like a wonderland uh, seeing them play live. So um, we also discuss the incredible deluxe version of the record, which has demos, it has B-sides, it has live versions of tracks um, that deluxe version digitally is out now so you'll be able to stream that on spotify or apple music or wherever you stream your music and the vinyl box set is coming out in april 2023 so um, if you do collect wax please make sure you go and pre-order that as well and links for that will be in the show notes um, we want to give a quick uh, shout out but a massive shout out to rick and delaney at warner music for their help with this interview uh, this is a bucket list interview for myself if i'm being honest um, and it is incredibly uh, appreciated that we got the opportunity to, to speak with Wayne. So we um, we very much want to yeah give a quick shout out to Rick and Delaney. We won't take up any more of your time. Here is our chat with Wayne Coyne from The Flaming Lips. The name is Yoshima. She's a black belt in karate. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours from The Flaming Lips, Wayne Coyne. Hello, sir. How are we? Oh, all right. Hello. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I don't know if the audience always realizes you and I are sitting here and it's nothing at first. We're just hoping that the connection works and all that. And then suddenly I'm like, oh, yeah, well, we're, we're on this show. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, like here we go. Yeah. Well, it's wonderful to be here. I, I, I'm always amazed that it all it's all working and we're I'm talking to you and you're like a million miles away and it just seems like we're face to face. This is the new face to face. It, there is still something uh, to be said about, I think, in person and, you know, being able to connect and have that chemistry with someone um, one-on-one, but there is there is a new, I feel like over time, obviously, we've been able to improve our, our ways of connecting with one another and being able to do this is um, f- for yourself, having done press for a number of years now, is there anything that kind of gets easier for yourself when, when promoting a record? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just listen. And whatever is going to happen, whatever you want to ask and whatever is happening, I just listen and say, oh, sure. And if I don't know an answer, I just say, I, I, oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, in, in the beginning, I think, you know, you see, uh, you know, rock stars or, or celebrities, whoever, and they just seem to know, like, what they're going to say. And they're so uh, charming or whatever, you know, and you think, oh, my gosh, I don't have anything to say. And, you know, so, yeah, you're kind of, you know, in the beginning, uh, I was anyway, you know, you know, you're just kind of like, what do I say? What do I say? But, yeah, after, you know, after doing it forever and forever and forever. And I think, you know, um, interviewers have gotten better at sort of, you know, if you don't know what to say, I'll help you. And so that's, you know, that, that helps a lot too. And so, yeah. And I think, um, I think it's like the greatest luxury in the world to be able to talk to so many people like, like I do, I get to talk to so many people and it really is, you get to learn something every time you're learning about 
communication and little nuances and all that. And so um, there's nothing that could prepare you for it other than doing it. And if you, you know, if you're lucky that you start off doing it badly as you go, you, you, you can improve. <laughs> you get to keep doing it, you know? Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. It, um, I don't, I don't really get, um, nervous or anything now. It, it doesn't mean that the interview is going to be good. It just, <laughs> it just kind of leaves you off the hook, you know? Well, look, I appreciate that, that honesty, um, off the bat. <laughs> Um, but before we kind of get into what we are here to promote, um, I, I would love to, to kind of chat about, um, as I mentioned before, we started recording, uh, this is going to come out in January, but we are in, in the middle of December. I'm curious for yourself because you do seem like a very colourful, bubbly personality. Um, Christmas, the holidays, what does that mean for Wayne Coyne? And I guess does, does any of that uh, colourful creativeness spill from the flaming lips into you know into the home is it is it a bit of wacky decor around the house or what is yeah the holidays like for yourself oh yeah 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 well i think um now that um we have a couple little kids um you know you can indulge them with all this stuff you know um and previous to having little children around you're not really aware of how many Christmas movies are made every year. There's a lot of them, you know, there is. you know, there's, there's thousands of them, you know? And so, you know, you can put on, you know, your, your Netflix or your, whatever it is, your, your Apple TV, and it could kind of play endless, you know, great um, Christmas cartoons from the beginning of time till now, you know? Um, and so that wouldn't have been um, the case. Like when we were growing up, you know, you only, got to experience Christmas music and Christmas movies and things just in this condensed, you know, period at the end of the year. And um, Christmas music, I mean, for me, it's so connected to my family and my uh, my brothers and sister and all their friends and all these times. Um, and a lot of, you know, a lot of Christmas music is very, um, it is very emotional. I mean, some of it is wacky and some of it is silly, but it, it is sort of, um, it's drenched with sound effects. You know, it's almost like it's, it almost immediately sounds like Christmas music. It's got these effects, the bells and all this stuff. And it's very, for me, it's very evocative of an internal personal thing. And I think if you get to make music and get to create things long enough, like I have, um, eventually some of that deep, deep stuff, I think, creeps into whatever it is you're creating. And so, you know, not very many people uh, get to create like a stage show, um, but I do. And so, (laughs) you know, um, I think the very first elaborate stage show that we would be known for now would be this is uh mid mid 90s you know 1994 1995 we draped together back then uh, you know hundreds of these christmas lights and draped them all together and connected them all and made this giant backdrop sometimes it would even cover the entire small club that we were playing in <laughs> we had generators that we carried with us we carried two generators in the back of our truck 
ran these giant extension cords in because these Christmas lights, you know, back in the 90s, they weren't LED lights like they are now. They took a lot of power, a lot of electricity, and they got hot and they were big and bright, you know. And we would hit a switch at the beginning of the show and all these flashing Christmas lights would go off. And it would, you know, it would, it would be a great, great, um, exciting moment, you know, to be to be in these crazy punk rock clubs and then suddenly... Um, and I, I think everybody recognizes it as Christmas lights. I mean, I don't think Christmas lights are confused with, like, just typical rock, rock and roll lighting or whatever, yes. you know. So I think that reaction you know, sort of helped us into this mood of like, you know, everybody in the audience is having a little bit of, it's not a flashback, but some kind of deep memory of lights and Christmas lights and Christmas music and all that. And I think we just sort of started to feel like that is, could just be part of what we're about. And I think being colorful, I think, you know, the the reason why people are colorful is because that it's kind of being inviting. I, you know, I think... Um, and I, you know, and I dress in black a lot of the times too. I think when we when we dress in black or whatever, we're 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 saying to the world, maybe like, leave me alone, you know, like <laughs> I'm, I'm busy, I'm tired, and I'm just doing my thing. I'm just a normal <laughs> person. I don't have any, you know, you know what I mean. You're just getting on with your things. And when you wear color or whatever, you know, it's a way of saying, hey, you know, I, I'm like a flower. You can come up and look at me and you can, you know, you can, you can, it makes your day a little brighter or whatever. So I just think there's just these subtle, you know, humanistic things that we get from it. And so today I am very colorful, I have to say. You are. Um, and I, and I do, and I do really love that um, Christmas has become this monstrous, right over the top freak scene. And my reason really is this, you know, my father died of uh, cancer at the end of uh, 1996. So we were going into the Christmas of 1996 and he was dying. We didn't really know how long it was going to take or whatever, but during this Christmas season, um, it's a good couple of weeks worth of putting up trees and Christmas lights and all that. And I remember my mother, um, she worked at the, like a, a, a tax uh, agency or whatever. And she would be driving home and this, this drive would take her through neighborhoods. And, you know, it'd be like a 20 minute drive from her work to where she got back home, where she was going to take care of my father. And she would, this would be the only time that she would cry, you know, in this powerful, horrible intense personal thing that was happening with my father and she said I, she would always try to go down streets that had a lot of christmas lights on them because it made her feel like oh everybody was trying to help her and cheer her up and all that and so those are the reasons that you want to do it you know those are the reasons because it's like yeah. you can you really can brighten someone's mood even if it's not your mood you know just by displaying this light and especially you know this time of year when it's so dark and if you have something uh bad that's going on in your life or something tragic or something like a death in the family you know it's it's it just is it's everybody's celebrating and you're 
you know, you're being crushed by this thing that no one really knows about. And that's happening all the time. You know, that that's really happening all the time for everybody, you know. So in a way, once that happened, I just decided I would I wouldn't hold back. I would say mm-hmm. the more bright, the more crazy, the more <laughs> if you can look at what I'm doing for another minute, that'll be great. Not to get attention, not to say, hey, look at me, but to put on this event, this spectacle to say, yes, mm-hmm. you know, bright, brightness is good. Being loud is good. You know, <laughs> having fun is good. You know, I, I feel like, and I, I was going to kind of save this till a little bit later, but because we're already here, this, this kind of, um, I want to say mantra or this kind of, uh, ethos of having things bright, bringing joy, um, the, the flaming lips for, for years now have been known for doing that, for bringing joy. I think that the live setting of the Flaming Lips is an absolute, um, it's an experience in itself. I personally have been to one or two shows um, here in Australia and and I would say that they are uh, transcendent. Um, I would say that they are, they're experiences that you, that you cannot get. And um, and yeah, I, I do want to talk about the, the, the tour dates in a second, but I was wondering if, if you'll allow me to maybe um, and it can be a, a quick fire game. It can kind of be whatever you'd like to respond with. But I was wondering if we could go through some of the, um, I guess, the myths or some of the, the touchstones of the Flaming Lips live show in terms of things that people throughout the, the last, where are we now, last 30-something years might recognise from a, from a Flaming Lips show. Um, sure, yeah. Uh, so to begin with, I was wondering um, the the fake blood. Where did where did that uh, <laughs> idea come from? <laughs> well, there is a a photo of Miles Davis. He's standing outside of a, I guess it's a club where they're playing. You know, he's playing in uh, in in New York City. It probably is, and he was standing out there smoking and. For some reason, he gets he gets the police hit him on the head with one of their police batons, and luckily for the photograph, anyway, he's wearing like a white suit, and so the blood is on his head, but it's also on his suit, and you can you can you know, and so you know, there's something about this violence and the elegance and the kind of. I don't know, you know, with, with Miles Davis, you always sort of feel like he's, that word that you use is sort of, it's transcendent in a way, but he's it's utterly human at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought this is, you know, everybody, every, probably most most humans react to blood. Um, some some good, some bad, some just fascinated or whatever. But it's rare, I mean, I I don't know if Miles went back in and played the rest of the show and was <laughs> bleeding on his horn and everything while he played. But it would have been insane to see that, you know. Um, and I just think you'll never see a singer ever, really, you know, go up there and be singing these songs of, you know, of catharsis and joy. And he's also bleeding from his head and he doesn't care because he's so, in, you know, he's so involved in the song. So it's probably something like that to just... Um, and I am always embarrassed to just be standing up there singing. I, I mean, I'm not a very good singer, but, you know, I get to do our songs. And so it kind of, you know, I get to do it my way or whatever, but I, I still sort of feel like I'm, 
I have to entertain you some way. It can't just be me standing here singing. Um, so it's part of that too, is I get to do something I think, Oh, look, you know, everybody's looking at me now. I've, I've got blood <laughs> on my head or whatever. And I think I started to do it. I think the first time I did it, we were singing, um, the song somewhere over the rainbow, you know? So it's this complete, you know, it's not a song about blood. It's not a, it's not an aggressive song. Um, and I just like the idea of that. And, um, some of the audience wouldn't know that it's fake, even though I wouldn't hide that I'm putting it on, you know, but yeah. the audience isn't that engaged all the time with what you're doing. And they look up and say, Oh my God, he's bleeding. What happened? You know? <laughs> and I think that some of them would probably walk away and say, you know, he's, he's so brave and he's so giving, even though he, <laughs> someone must've thrown a beer bottle at him. He just kept singing all the way through, you know? And so and once I knew that that could be happening, you know, it just made me want to do it more. Um, but I wouldn't recommend that every anybody do it because it gets in your eyes and it gets all over your stuff and you're under hot lights and it all gets very sticky, very fast. And um, but you know, that's uh, I mean, for me, anything that's another moment, mm-hmm. and, you know, that you can, you know, you can, you can this this audience, everybody's there, you know, um, yeah. So it would be something like that. But mostly, I'm just. You know, I got to have something to do up there, even though I don't I don't really think that I when I'm in the moment, I feel like I've, I've got to do something. This singing isn't going to be enough. You know, I uh, look, I can very much appreciate that. Um, with, with, uh, I guess the, the, <laughs> one of the other ones I wanted to discuss, there's a list and I won't spend our whole interview uh, chatting about those. But yeah. the, the other one I want to discuss. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was the uh, the giant laser hands for anyone who hasn't seen them. They are. I want to say those hands are about the size of you, Wayne. They are. They're yeah. They're about you know my my hands fit in these giant foam rubber hands in there, but they're and they're pretty heavy. So yeah, they're called laser hands. They were actually stolen at. Um, we did a New Year's Eve show in. Um, uh, was in Australia. It was one. What's the what's the what's the town that Tame and Paula are from? In, in Perth. Perth. We did a festival, I think it was in Perth, and we were loading up the truck, and they were actually stolen. And um, the festival went on the next day. It was like two uh, two days or something. And someone found them in someone's tent the next day. Um, I would steal them if I had the chance, you know. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely forgivable, but yeah. And and it took us a couple of months to get them back because they had to be shipped and we had to declare what it was and all this, you know, it was complicated that way, you know. But anyway, so laser hands, I don't even know why it started. It started off as just big hands. I like the idea that I'd go out there and have these giant, <laughs> giant things that just look like hands. I'd be like, yeah, everybody, we're here, you know. And then we stumbled upon these lasers that... You know, they're not mega lasers that'll, like, kill you if they shoot you, but they're not like these little... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Cat toys that you can, mm-hmm. you know, point at your cat. You know, there's somewhere in between. And um, as the Flaming Lips, we know a lot of crazy electronic engineer type people. <laughs> I had about a hundred of them put into these hands. So they're all sort of jumbled into one and the other. And then there's this giant, you know, electric box that you got to slam on to make them work at the right time. And then we started to do that as just lasers that would shoot out over the audience. And then we started to carry around a giant mirror ball. So mirror balls, you know, in your house are kind of like this big, but the Flaming Lips have one. I think we have one of the biggest ones in the world, a six-foot mirror ball. And we, we, and we wouldn't put it overly high. I think if you put it up too high, it looks small again because it's way up in the theater. So we would have the mirror ball, giant mirror ball, fairly close down to where we were. And one day I had the laser hands on. I just turned around and I shot it at this turning mirror ball and that just turned into this this explosion of green and red laser shooting <laughs> everywhere and it's you know it's probably not safe if i did it for like an hour but for just a few moments that i do these lasers reflecting off the mirror and all that um just looks utterly insane um so we sort of concocted a moment with some music and some dynamics where at just the right time there's just enough smoke in the room turn every light off and i hit that and yeah it's you know that's 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 why we're here yeah yeah of course it, yeah, yeah. It is, yeah it's a great moment yeah it is a, it's, a def- it's definitely a sight to see um and if you yeah. do ever get a chance to see the flaming lips live if you haven't already please do so i will be talking about the tour dates um in a little bit wayne but um <laughs> The, the main purpose while we're here. I love your choices. These, this is great. I, I love this. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I've got a few more. I'll come back to them in a, in a little bit. Okay. Um, the, the main reason why we are here is, and I can't even believe that I'm saying this, um, is that Yoshimi Battles of Pink Robots is has turned 20, which is firstly a huge yeah. milestone. Yeah, yeah. So firstly, congratulations for that. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And, and I feel the same way. Um, you know, it, luckily we... Since the Yoshimi Bowser Pink, Rec- Pink Robots record came out in 2002, you know, it's never been very far from our what we're all about. You know, it's not like a record that we forget about. It's like we, we, we play half the songs every night that we play. And, you know, it's always something that's there. So um, when it was five years old, you know, we're like, wow, that, that went fast. And then, of course, we're getting older as that's happening. And then it was 10 years old. And you're like, no way, it can't be 10 years old. Um, and then we're getting older and, you know, then it's 15 years old. So by the time it was 20, it didn't surprise us. But I think we're inevitably, you know, we're all in the same boat. It's like as you get older, somehow 20 years doesn't feel 
that insanely long. You know, it's just oh wow, and here we are. You know, so so yeah, and it's um, you know, it's a strange thing. Uh, you know, this music that you make to think we're going to be talking about it. 20 years later of course it doesn't feel strange now but you know to think when we made it and when the record came out that we're still going to be talking about it and thinking about it and listening to demos of how it got made and talking about it so yeah it's um it's strange but it, it's great it's it's the greatest thing ever you know to to have to have something especially like the song do you realize that's um touched so many people and means so much to so many people and you know that really is the the power of music that, um, you know, there's, there really is nothing, nothing like it. I think that's why we're all so drawn to it. It really is a mm-hmm. form of modern day magic that, you know, we can't quite, uh, you know, when music touches you, you can't understand it. You know, when it doesn't touch you, you're like, ah, oh, who cares? You know, it, it can be, <laughs> it can be the most precious thing ever, but it can also be the most throwaway thing ever, you know? Um, so yeah, it, it is. It's, um, it's such a funny thing, you know, and I don't think we could have ever intentionally, um, made a record you know we thought yeah this is yeah people are going to think this is important or still be talking about it 20 years later i think you just have to do what's in your heart and hope it works Mm -hmm. and do what you love and you know you you get what you get and and really even if that was all that happened just being able to make the record and make the record with dave fridman and to write these songs and all that um steven and i would have been more than satisfied with just that and then to have all the stuff happened that's happened since then. It's um, yeah. It's you know, it's it's overwhelming. It's it's amazing. It is truly a a, and I I realised that saying this in your presence is almost like that I'm kind of sucking up. But I would be saying it regardless if you were here or not, Wayne. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is that this this record is it is a masterpiece, and there's there's I think possibly the reason why we're still talking about it twenty years on is because there hasn't been. It's, sonically, it still stands up. It has not, um, it has not uh, sonically kind of degraded over time. It is still such a, a yeah, unique right. record. It is. It's, it, 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is a, an amazing sounding record. I mean, even when we were making it, um, we had been working at Dave Fridman's studio up uh, up in uh, Western New York um, since. Like 1996, he got his studio going, and we were going up there lots and lots and lots. So 1996, 1997, 98, 99, 2000, 2001. That record comes out in 2002. So we'd been working with Dave Fridman really since 1988, but especially working with him at his studio, 1996 to 2002. So, you know, a big, intense period, um, all of us working, 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 and that's probably the peak of that time. I don't think we would have wanted to make records like that all the time. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they have a momentum, they have an energy, but that's also, it's a, it's a lot of intense work for a lot of people. And when, uh, you know, when you get done with something like that, part of you is it's like, fuck it. I don't want to, do- <laughs> let's just have fun and not worry about, uh, you know, every little detail. Um, which we we do that too, you know. But the, every everything on that record is man, uh, you know. It 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 does. It 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 sounds like it would, you know. It could have been made today. It's so 
it's so beautiful and so it's so rich. Um, it's never punishing. I mean, some of our records can be. You know, we go loud, we go bright, or whatever, and there's an intensity to it that is, you know, it, it loves you. Uh, that that it's, that's how it feels. You know, there's there's this beautiful. Um, I think there's been some video footage released from um, part of the, the celebration of the anniversary where. Uh, you're listening to the the demo track of Do You Realize and kind of yeah yeah the, the, yeah. I guess you can hear yourself in real time working it through, um, and I think there's there's a mobile phone ringing in the background at the time. <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> for, yeah. For yourself, was there any inclination back then that I guess and and again the whole record as a whole is incredible, but as you mentioned, Do You Realize has hit a bit of a cultural nerve in a positive way that it seems to connect with all these people was there any yeah. idea for you yeah i guess the impact that or the magic that that song kind of held at the time well no i mean i think if if we would have if we would have even been aiming for something like that you know we would have known what to do we wouldn't have we would have overthought it we'd have thought oh this will work or that'll work or whatever you know i think we were lucky we were writing a lot of songs and and some of them would be you know like wow that's that's really working you know um and in the production that we were doing with dave fridman we were really it was really working so we had an idea of how a song could sound the demo that you're talking about it's pretty primitive you know I, i i think it's if if you didn't know how amazing the song ended up sounding you wouldn't want to hear that demo. It's so struggling, you know. Um, but I think when you know the final version of it, when you hear how it started, you can understand, like, there is something there that, as I work through the few things, and that's just the luck of a songwriter. You're sitting there and something happens. But then, you know, I... I would play that for Stephen, you know, the other songwriter in the group, and his reaction would be pure. You know, it wouldn't he wouldn't know what's coming. He wouldn't care what the what I mean by it. It would it would just hit him as as music. Mm-hmm. And the, the that demo that I, you know, that was playing for everybody. That's exactly what he heard. And I think by the time I'm done going through that verse a couple of times, he's like, oh yeah, that that's going to work. And I think he could hear. The production, he could hear chord changes and all that. We didn't even have a chorus then, but we knew we'd ha- have one and it would work or whatever, <laughs> you know. And then we, again, you know, Steve and I, we'd play that for Dave Fridman, and his reaction would be like, oh, oh yeah, that's, that's going to work, you know. And we were just in a good zone of confidence, and we had cool sounds, and we had cool words, and we had, it seemed like we had a lot of cool stuff. Um, but, you know, it was just another song that we were working on. It, I mean, we didn't, like, stop everything and say, oh, this one we really have to work extra hard on. You know, it was, we were, we, things were going good and we worked on it and we were happy with it. I think we did get lucky because it was at the end of a long session. Uh, back then we would do, like, two weeks, maybe three weeks at the most. It'd be a long time to be in a studio every day. And Dave Fridman is crazy uh, producer. I mean, he works every day from noon to midnight. Doesn't matter. Just you're going to go, you know. And that's a long time to be going and going. And at the very end of it, we were trying to get this song, Do You Realize, at least started. 
Um, and then we'd come back in a couple of weeks and work on it more. And like I said, it was things were going well, things were sounding great, and everything that we would do would already kind of sound luscious, you know, like it like it does in those mixes. But we, in our minds, we thought, well, we don't know if we're uh, finished with it, or we'll see, you know, what people think of it. And back then, you know, we would every song that we would do, we'd send it to our friends and everybody, you know, that is in our circle, and everybody that heard it immediately was, oh yeah, but man, that's that do you realize song? Um, that's great. Um, and we would sort of be thinking. Um, that we were still going to mess with it. Like, oh, we, maybe we're going to do some more stuff to it. But the more people reacted to it, I think we were like, oh, well, I, people already like it. We'll just sort of leave it alone and let it, you know. And <laughs> and and so I think we sort of got lucky because, I mean, we can – we don't always know when to stop. You know, we can just keep going and going and going and, um, you know, and I think it, it had reached a, a spot where everybody – thought it was going and that was good that was good enough and so a lot of lot of luck you know and um you know there's not even very much to the song you know it really is just one verse and then it does a modulation and then it kind of repeats the chorus you know and it's such a simple nothing of a song but it's just enough that it you know it, it it says what it says without you having to wait around too long and again i as a songwriter, it's easy to make songs too long. It's easy to make 20 verses, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not ever very easy to make one verse. And, you know, <laughs> Stephen and I always re- remark about what a great, simple, perfect song um, Happy Birthday is. You know, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. <laughs> you know, it's it's just a perfect song. Everybody knows the words and, you know, you insert the name into the song. And so, you know, you, you're always thinking of, how do you do that? It's just an it's an impossible thing to do. You just have to hope you get lucky. Yeah. Well, it is a fantastic song, um, and I and I know that a number of other people shared that uh, that thought uh, or that that way of thinking in relation to your music. Um, touching on what you just kind of mentioned of, of not overworking or not kind of putting too much, um, not thought. What's the correct word? Not overcomplicating. Yeah, I know will. what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I, yeah. I would say that I have been a, a fan of this record since I was in early high school, around the early 2000s. So I think I came to the record maybe like a year after it was released. Um, but I only just mm-hmm. last week discovered that it was yourself that did the artwork for the front cover of the record. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that a similar kind of thing? Was there... was was there a lot of overthinking or did you just kind of go in and and paint what kind of, I guess, came from the thought of the album? You know, we were, we were, we were in the studio working on the song uh, that would end up being called Yoshimi Battles of Pink Robots Part 2. Okay, mm-hmm. so we had this instrumental that has the Yoshimi uh, woman screaming and sounds like she's fighting a robot. And that's exactly <laughs> what Dave Fridman and I said while we were messing with it. You know, it sounds like she's fighting a robot or something. And I I was, you know, we were, we, you know, we we're halfway through with the record, like, what does all this mean? What is this going to do? And I, I said, we should just call the record Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots. And why are they pink? I don't know. It's a Flaming Lips record, so the, the robots will be pink, you know, whatever. And I think that he was like, yeah, that 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 sounds like where we should go. And I 
I went to the couch, kind of like the way this one is behind the mixing desk. I'm at the mixing desk here. And I drew a little sketch that isn't exactly like the album cover, but it's virtually like that, where the robot's in the back there and Yoshimi's in the foreground. And I showed it to him. He said, let's do the album cover like that. And between us, you know, by then I'd already done a lot of album covers, knew a lot about layout and fonts and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I went home a couple of days later and I just painted it really in one sitting. I painted the background one night. It's in oil paints and I let it dry. Next day, just painted the stuff. And we were in a little bit of a hurry. So I knew I wasn't going to spend weeks on it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I did the thing from the sketch as best as I could or whatever. Um, and, you know, the coloring and just the there's there's a hecticness to it. There's a kind of you can see some energy in it. You know, I don't spend a lot of time with details and all that. It's just kind of uh, it's kind of splattering around. And I knew uh, once I got some fonts and things on there that could probably all come together. And so, again, it's just sheer intuition and luck. And and also, you know, if if nobody liked it, I would just paint another one. You know, it wasn't <laughs> like it's do or die. It's either yeah. my thing or. You know, it's like, all right, well, I'll try again, you know, and that I think that helps you a lot to know it's not so mm-hmm. precious, precious, precious. And, uh, you know, once once I started to work on the, you know, getting the titles and all that stuff in there, I, I think everybody that saw it thought that's that's really going to work, you know. And, and then the more that happens, uh, the more you feel like, wow, this is hey, this is all working. And I didn't know then that I would have to do 20 more paintings you know as <laughs> as yoshimi battles pink robots would get more popular there's more singles and there's more reissues and all this stuff mm-hmm. and so little by little i would paint more and more and i didn't have any ideas other than that initial cover but i would just paint whatever and just thought well i'll just add this to the story and it it would tell some kind of atmospheric portion of the songs and you know those songs you know, if you think that they're a story, they, they sort of sound like a story, even though I don't I don't think at the time that we knew what a story was. But if you think it's a story, you can hear things happen. There's regrets and there's victories and there's sadness and there's lots of things happening. And I just used all that as like, I'll just make it seem like there is already a story and mm-hmm. it'll it'll seem like a story. And it doesn't take much, you know. An image and some music, your mind will start to build a story, you know. And so, yeah. Uh, But again, I think that initial cover, um, like a lot of things with that, um, even the the record uh, before Yoshimi, Battles Make Robots, the Soft Bolton album cover, it's evocative in that same way where it's like, you know, you just have to think i think this is going to work i think this is going to work mm-hmm. and um simple but man you know one wrong move and you kind of lose it or whatever you know and so i felt like we could we could probably make something that suited that music you know um and yeah and it just but again you can't underestimate how much luck is involved with just you needed it and you, it and it happened, and it was the perfect thing at the perfect times. Like, ah, oh, you know, yeah, it's oh, it's stressful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am glad that it did all work out. It is it is an iconic 
album cover um, now as, as we look back 20 years later. Uh, there is yeah. a yeah. Um, there is a very special, I believe, that the digital and the CD deluxe versions are out now. There is a, you can probably see behind me, there's some vinyl records. We've already pre-ordered our, um, our record, which is coming out yeah. in April. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess how excited are you for this deluxe version to come out? Because I think there's there's six CDs, there's five vinyls. Um, but how do you go through and how do you pick what makes it onto those those tracks? Because I imagine that there's... there's well, yeah. yeah. Luckily, our manager, uh, his name is Scott Booker. He's been our manager since um, like 1989, 1990, so long time. And he's... I don't know. He's not an insane collector, but he, you know, he he's the, the he takes care of all these little things that we're doing. Every time we would do a radio show, he would follow up and say, "Hey, can I can I get a recording of that? That that was fun, you know." Everything that we'd ever done, every every not every live show we we record live shows now, but back then we didn't record every live show. But every live show that was a decent recording, um, he would follow through. Even if, even if it took him three or four years to get it, he would he would get it so we could have it. He'd get the rights to everything. He'd you know all the stuff um, that's just dreadful and boring. If you're like someone like me, that's I'm creating stuff and I'm just let's go, let's go. He's you know he's meticulous. He wants it to work and and he's listening and listening and listening. He's finding these special little moments. He urged me. Um, over a year ago um, to start to go through some of these uh, four-track demos. He had, a, he had a lot of them already, and we'd already sort of put stuff together. But he urged me to be like, go through and see if there's anything else. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, don't, I don't think there's anything else. I've, you know, it's like we're doing a billion things, and I, I think I've already <laughs> gone through all that. I mean, and, But I found a box in an upstairs uh, closet. Uh, we were cleaning out, like, COVID helped all that, you know. Um, we were cleaning up a part of our house that we hadn't touched in 10 years or whatever. And I found this box, and it, it had literally hundreds and hundreds of these four-track demos that I would use. Here's my four-track machine, you know, it's, it's right here, you know, it's like, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> um, um, and I thought, wow, I, I do have a lot of these. And then I, you know, you just got to sit through and see what's on them and some of them are marked like i'm working on it i know what i'm doing other times i'm just it's i don't know what it is you got to put it in and see and yeah and discovered quite a few of these that the the version of do you realize that you talk about i didn't really remember that it, it existed and and then i found it in this in this box and his urging and his love and his you know him being the caretaker of all this stuff I mean, it does it does make it a little bit more important because I feel like, for me, I'm doing it for him. I mean, I, it, for Stephen and I, it's always um, like, oh, gosh, you know, I, I, do you really want to sit through hours and hours of our demos that we did back in 2000 and 2001? No, but we would <laughs> do it because Scott loves it and Scott wants to hear it. So all that helps, you know, having other people care about it, other people listening to it. Um, and then at the time, we were working with an engineer. He's usually sitting here at this at this console who doesn't know any of this demo stuff. He's never heard any of the demos, and I'd be playing him for him, and we'd be messing with the faders. 
and I could see him reacting like, oh, my gosh, there, there, there's the song. There's the song I've heard since I was 12. Here's the song, you know. Um, and that helps, too. You know, I mean, Stephen and I would be listening to them and like, ah, yeah, that's that's Wayne struggling to find another chord to put in that song or whatever. But to people who already know the song, you could see there's, you know, there's some something exciting happening there. So that that would help, too. You know, it's, it, I, I, I don't think Stephen and I uh, would ever on our own. Uh, want to go through all these things and say, oh, this is great or this isn't, you know, but having other people say, no, this is, this is cool. This is unique. This is, it's cool. The things you say there, uh, that, that helps you a lot. There is, there is some incredible gems on there. There's, um, as you mentioned, there's the demos. There's, I believe there's some covers of uh, Kylie Minogue and Beck from his Sea Change era. There's some absolutely incredible things on there. So we'll be putting the, um, the links in the show notes of this podcast so that people who might not already have it can go and visit it and listen to, to some of the, these deluxe tracks. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it is absolutely thorough and I there may be more things that we can find but it, it, it gosh it's, it's a lot of stuff I mean it even has the song uh thank you Jack White for the fiber optic Jesus that you gave me <laughs> <laughs> which you know this would be a song that um you know as records kind of have some success or whatever you know you put out more and more singles and you know it, by the end of 2003 or the beginning of 2004, we're still putting out singles for this record that came out, you know, in 2002. But we don't really have any songs. You know, we haven't written new songs. We don't really have any. We're just literally making up songs <laughs> right there. And this would be, thank you, Jack White, for the fiber optic Jesus that you gave us. This would be a song that we just made up. We had just got back and we were on tour with Beck and Jack White gave me this fiber optic Jesus. So I just <laughs> I just wrote a song about it. But again, you don't think I'm going to be talking about this 20 years later and you just do it so yeah and in that way it's utterly amazing i mean it's it doesn't necessarily uh bring back memories for me um i think i just i just i'm not really thinking about that how it that is important or whatever you know um but but now when i hear it i really love it i'm like why would we why would we do that why why would you know but yeah it's 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 amazing yeah it is an absolutely um stunning record as i've said throughout this this interview um wayne firstly again congratulations on the 20th anniversary of yashimi battles the big robots it is absolutely incredible i feel very blessed that we even got to have a chat about that so thank you for your time today and um thank you for coming onto the podcast oh wow Yeah, yeah. Well, excellent. Well, hey, it all worked out. You were great. You were great. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.